Others say it. We prove it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. seek answers to the questions that have crossed all of our minds. What happens to us when we die? Is there an afterlife? I'm a regular guy who discovered the gift of psychic mediumship in my 30s. My passion for history and the unknown have put me right here, right now. My mantra for anything paranormal is, we don't know much and anything is possible. Join me as we find our way through the stories, evidence, and experiences of the paranormal and beyond in search of answers, even if that leads to more questions. Are you with me? Hey everybody, welcome to the Paranormal Pete Show. I think it's episode 16 now. That's awesome. Thanks everyone for following I'm your host, Peter Orbea. We're on Let's Talk Radio, WLTKDB.com. And there's a lot of great shows uh, throughout the week. So make sure you're following that website for the shows. All the archived shows uh, end up on there as well. So if you miss someone's episode, you can go to the show archives and find it and download it there or catch it wherever you get your podcast from. Um, all over the place. But uh, welcome to tonight's show. It's March 30th, and we have a beautiful sunset here in Port Gamble. I wish I could show everybody lots of great colors, and uh, I can see the water from my house, and so it just looks really nice and calm out there after a really nasty Sunday. <laughs> we had torrential downpours and everything, so Anyways, it's a beautiful sunset here. It's a great day. hope you're having a great day out there. And you guys are stuck with me tonight. Uh, John says hello on the Facebook feed. Hey, John. And uh, so if you go to Facebook, if you haven't liked or followed the Let's Talk Radio page yet, go to facebook.com forward slash WLTKDB or just look up Let's Talk Radio. We're uh, streaming live there. And so if you have questions, and I'm going to get hopefully get some audience participation tonight, uh, put a comment there on the live stream or on the station chat at WLTKDB.com. And tonight I'll be talking about tips on evidence analysis. Um, you know, if you're doing an investigation and you've got lots of data to review, um, just some things that I've learned over the years, uh, mostly the hard way. Um, so hopefully I can give some, some good tips out there. And after that, um, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the skull experiment tonight because that kind of ties in with uh, evidence review as far as video evidence and, um, planning on sharing a, experiences at a spooky place here in Port Gamble. I'm not going to say where, um, but a certain building here and talk about some of the experiences there. So uh, thanks for joining me tonight again on Let's Talk Radio. I'm on every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Pacific time, 11 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, thanks for uh, being here with me. 
get on the station chat, get on the Facebook live feed and uh, uh, ask questions and all that kind of stuff. So uh, first I want to say great Oregon ghost conference this last week. Um, it was virtual and somewhat in Seaside, Oregon, um, but they did a really cool uh, thing called ghost week. And we had conference director Rocky Smith on last week. And I think it turned out great. It was a really cool uh, event. There was lots of stuff going on all week long into the weekend. So congrats to the Oregon Ghost Conference on that. I know it's really difficult um, planning a conference when you don't know what's allowed and what's safe. And you just want to make sure everyone's safe. So um, congrats to them on that. And I could do my usual shout out to... My bros in Study Rock Cosmonaut, if you like the theme song of the show, that's uh, our song Magic from our first album release, uh, The Sleeper Awakens, and that's SteadyRockCosmonaut.com. So check out the band if you like the music. Hope you do. And uh, always put you in, the, in a good mood. So, um, yeah. And, oh, I also should mention as well on Let's Talk Radio, check out the merch page. Just click on the merch tab and there's all kinds of cool stuff that you can get with Let's Talk Radio's logo and show some support um, for this station and, uh, and the family uh, that we all are on this station. And I hope you listen to the other shows too. So I wanted to talk about tips on evidence analysis tonight or data analysis as it's probably more accurately described. Um, a few weeks ago, I did a show on, you know, DIY investigations in your home. Uh, we're all stuck at home, right? Um, and so I did a, did a show on DIY investigations. Well, this is kind of a part two to that because if you have done your investigation and you've gathered all kinds of data, now what do you do with it? Or maybe you're on a team, um, starting a team, or you've been on a team. Hopefully you can find something useful. Um, in tonight's show. But uh, so we're going to talk about investigation data and some tips to help get you through it more efficiently and hopefully have some more credible evidence that you either present to a client or um, just for the fun of it. Um, but it's always fun to have, be more efficient and have credible evidence out there. So uh, credible evidence of the paranormal, uh, you know, the types of data that you can collect on an investigation, um, on a paranormal investigation, you can get photographic evidence, right? Video evidence, um, audio evidence, psychic evidence, and don't forget that one. That's a real important part. And personal experiences, which is probably the most common type of data, if you will, that you can collect on a paranormal investigation, right? That's your own experience. And, you know, the only thing I can really say about that is it's probably it, it, the most impactful kind of um, data that you can receive because it's your body receiving it. It's you receiving it. And it's also the most flawed, right? Because we are human after all. But um, those are the, you know, the kind of the main types of evidence that you might be collecting on a paranormal investigation, whether you're on a team and you're at a historic location or you're on a team doing a private home investigation or just you're having fun uh, doing investigations in your own home. Um, 
Now, one thing you want to remember when you set out to review all of the data you've collected is evidence does not equal proof. And that was something I learned from some fellow paranormal investigators and researchers that evidence does not equal proof. And well, if you think about it, that's, that's accurate. So, I mean, did you capture evidence of the paranormal? And let's say you did an audio recording or is it something that can be proven? Well, I don't know how really we can yet prove and an, an activity that's captured on camera or, you know, how do we prove that? So evidence doesn't necessarily equal proof, but it's evidence of the paranormal or whatever you're investigating, whether it's Bigfoot or UFOs, it's all evidence, right? Um, <laughs> uh, John on the Facebook feed commented, I was always told to never investigate your own house uh, your own home. And um, I mean, that may be good advice in, in some cases, but um, you know, it's, it's my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but it's, it's my own opinion that, you know, you can set the rules in your home or, you know, uh, establish some sort of rapport. If you, if you think you have activity going on in your home, try and set the rules and, if you want to investigate, it might just be as simple as one audio recorder and a notepad, you know? So I think that's just my opinion that that would be okay to do. Um, you know, I guess if you don't want to be creeped out in your own house, that's probably not a good idea. And uh, especially if you're not really quite sure what's going on, then maybe talk to other people to get a third party perspective. But I think it's probably okay to investigate your home and as long as you kind of set your intent with if there is activity there you set your intent with those entities and um you can just do your best to be respectful so that goes a long ways um so i i say go for it if you're if if you have a if you have a hunch that you shouldn't follow your hunch i hope that makes sense um <laughs> uh, but thanks thanks for the comment there um so you know, again, evidence does not equal proof. And that's a great way to think about it. Um, and so let's say, you know, you've got an investigation, right? Well, you, you want to set yourself up for easier data analysis later because that's typically the hard part uh, for anybody starting out doing investigations. It's, it's so fun to go do the investigation and, you know, do audio sessions and take lots of photos and all that. But then comes the review part. So we're going to set yourself up so it's easier for your analysis later. So if you're not on a team um, and you just kind of do your own thing, I would never suggest doing it on your own. Always have somebody there with you. But if you're not on a team, these everything we're going to go through tonight can still apply um, for your own investigation, like at your own house or, or other locations. So don't worry if you're not on a team, but <clears throat> first things first, right? Know why you're setting out for an investigation. That's a, that's an important one. Um, know your own expectations and how your own ego fits into it. Um, you know, how does that fit into the equation for doing an investigation? Are you, 
wanting to investigate for the thrill of possibly catching something or the adrenaline rush of hearing footsteps when you don't see anybody? Um, are you doing it to help someone? That's, that's probably the most common, right? Are you doing this because of your interest uh, in a professional capacity or as a hobby? So, I mean, is that, what are you looking to do with, with an investigation? You know, before you even do one, what are you looking to do? Was it client initiated? Like somebody reached out and you're, maybe you're on a team and somebody's reached out to you. But knowing your own expectations and your own drive for investigating first is just a great way to approach it. Um, and it sounds like uh, John, who's commenting on his, on the Facebook live stream on facebook.com, just type in Let's Talk Radio. I grew up in a house that was haunted to the point where I heard footsteps upstairs and went room to room with a gun looking for an intruder. That must have been some pretty good footsteps and it said it had weight to whatever it was. And how many of you out there have had that kind of hair raising experience where you heard those footsteps and you know, nobody's nobody should be in the location where the footsteps came from. That's, that's a good rush. Um, some say, you know, well, I guess you might, if you're an investigator and you're there for the thrill, that's, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> Um, but again, you know, the, the point of that was, you know, know your own expectations and your own drive for investigating. Um, if you have a client initiated investigation, they're probably looking for help. They're looking for answers and, and looking to try and maybe validate that they aren't crazy in their heads. Um, but you want to interview your clients, right? So learn all the context that you can. Uh, some tips that I've learned uh, is to try and get permission to at least audio record your interviews with the clients. Um, it's really helpful. If, you know, if you're trying to take notes, you, you'll probably miss things. You'll miss, um, you know, body language and, and how the person's coming across. There's a lot of things you can miss while you're taking notes. And if they're not comfortable being on, being on camera, which, you know, that's, that's pretty normal, uh, just go with your client's comfort level and maybe they'll let you do an audio recording at least so you have all the information there because that can go into your analysis later as well, uh, your notes from your interview, because it may corroborate some activity or experiences uh, that happened during the investigation. So um, at least you'll have all the information if you can't do a videotape. Um, well, did I just age myself a videotape, a video file <laughs> of your, your client interview? You got to ask the hard questions. Um, you know, it, it's extremely important piece of any investigation. I mean, paranormal or not any investigation interviewing is, is extremely important. Uh, so, you know, after you do, I'm kind of going through the investigation part quickly to get to the data analysis here but um after you've done your interview i mean do the claims of activity do they still seem credible and worth investigation after your interview or you know after your interview are you left with kind of well i don't i think this could be explained or this might not be for me might be you know another team may be able um 
you know, to, to help out a little bit better. But, you know, after that interview, do you have a pretty good idea of, you know, is this, does this seem legit? Um, does it seem like there's any hoaxing going on? Um, which does happen, but that's human nature. So, but the, do your interview. That's, that's real important. Historical research is crucial too. Um, I've talked about that on the show before as well. Um, and, you know, maybe conducted post-investigation. So if you're um, going to do some historical research, maybe you want to wait until after you do your investigation so um, you're not going to inadvertently bias um, someone who's investigating psychically. Or if you've, you know, got a medium on your team, um, you won't bias them uh, inadvertently. So sometimes, you know, it's good to just do it afterwards. Or maybe you just assign... Um, someone to be the historical researcher and they may do research prior to an investigation or a post, but it's one person kind of holding that knowledge and someone who can hold that knowledge. So maybe it's good to just assign, you know, one person to the historical research. Um, in the place you want to, that you're going to investigate and, you know, you want to listen to the reports of activity and choose your equipment best suited for those claims of activity. If it's all audio, like I've never seen anything, I've always heard something, well, video might not be as important. So you may not need to run as much video as you normally would, right? Maybe it's just one or two cameras instead of the usual six, if that's what you do. Um, but choose the equipment that's best suited for the claims and set up the equipment based on the reports. What time of day does, is, is it something that's usually around the same time of day? Well, you want to set up around that same time of day, right? Where's the activity happening? What kind is it? What sort of tools can I deploy to capture what is being experienced? So be strategic about it, right? Um, and that, that will help you as well be more focused. Your investigation will be a little bit more focused and not uh, necessarily. I think a lot of people try and set up their, all their gear, like they're covering blanket covering, trying to blanket cover everywhere. Um, and that just creates a lot of storage space that probably doesn't need to be not, doesn't need to be there. So, um, you know, just be, strategic maybe you don't need to do a full setup maybe it's a very minimal setup because it's one area in a location that they report on the activity you're going to want to focus on that area and you don't need a ton of cameras or you know a whole arsenal of audio stuff and meters maybe you just simplify right so be be strategic um now, this is something that you're going to hear me mention many times <laughs> as I go through the data analysis. Um, don't forget your notebooks. Uh, taking notes is paramount, however you can take notes. Um, and it just it will save you big time in the end and make every, everything so much easier for you. So taking notes is paramount. Uh, it's one of the easiest things you can do, even if you're writing in the dark. You know, I've joked around before on the show. I mean, whatever you can write down to trigger 
knowing what that experience or what that noise or whatever it was that you heard at that time during an investigation, you know, I have a hard time writing in the dark. I have a hard time writing in the daylight. So it's even worse in the dark, but if, you know, just scribble whatever you can, um, you know, to take a note. Sometimes it's hard. You got your flashlight in one hand and you're trying to write and you know, whatever, as long as you're taking some sort of notes, if you have a, Location map, um, that's really useful. Um, you know, if you don't have one for the location, like at someone's private home, they, they may not have a blueprint available for you to, uh, you know, a floor plan to go off of. So you can just rough, rough hand draw out, you know, each floor or room, you know, draw out each room on a different page. And that way, that's another you know, where you can kind of combine notes where instead of just writing what happened when, you can actually show where in the location that you had an experience or you think you had an experience or you heard a noise. Maybe you're tagging something, but a location map's really cool to have. Um, it's, it's It makes it a lot easier. So um, we're coming up on our first station break here at 19 past the hour and so when we come back we're going to continue on as if the investigation has completed and now it's time for the audio and the photo and video all the data review so when we come back on let's talk radio on paranormal pete show we'll be talking about that and more i'm your host pete orbe we'll see you on the other side WLTK DB Let's talk Hurry, hurry, step right up Come, marvel at tales of weird history That prove fiction has nothing on reality Thrill at stories of strange science From the utterly mind-bending to the horribly misguided Chill from true tales of the unexplained Paranormal and supernatural. All this plus comedy, romance, and variety. It's colossal. It's stupendous. It's your new favorite podcast, a delicious, mysterious tincture called Odd Tonic. Join us in the parlor each week, dear guest, for a cup of tea and a bizarre, enthralling tale to delight the mind and stir the senses. Odd Tonic. An exquisite elixir for those who love the odd? Or a tantalizing treat for those who are the odd? Yes. Odd Tonic is available on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and at oddtonicsociety.com. Well, they sing that you're a fool. You in back to the Paranormal Pete Show. Again, I'm your host, Peter Orbea, and you guys are stuck with me tonight. <laughs> Thanks for following the show and listening. If you're listening on WLTKDB.com, appreciate it. There's a chat function there. If you want to ask a question, fire away. And we're also streaming live on Facebook at Let's Talk Radio's Facebook page. So just type that in the search bar and um, make sure you like the page so you know when stuff goes live. And um, here we go. So before the break, um, we were talking about you know, my, 
what I wanted to talk about tonight was data analysis, evidence analysis, and tips and on ways to make it a little bit easier on you, because um, that's a pretty bulky part of doing investigations. And so we kind of I kind of breezed through setting up an investigation um, in ways that help make you more efficient, like being strategic about your equipment placement and placement and what equipment do you need? What equipment do you not need and determining that? So um, to continue on, basically let's say you've had your investigation, right? You've uh, investigations over. Now it's time to go over all the data for potential evidence. And um, I like to call it data. It's something I've learned over the years from some great friends and colleagues. And um, because it's not evidence you're going through, it's, it's the data that you're reviewing in search of anomalous things, things that aren't normal, things that are maybe paranormal, right? Um, so I ref like to refer to it as data. And so now it's time to go over all of your data. Um, if you're on a team or you've got a, you know, a group of people that you investigate with and, um, you've all taken some sort of data, uh, throughout the investigation, wh whether it was, you're just strictly investigating psychically, um, or you, you're investigating with just audio, maybe it only called for audio, the investigation or video or anything else. And we got a hello from Wendy. How you doing, Wendy? Thanks for listening. She has uh, shows on Wednesday nights. Um, Mystic Moon Cafe Radio. Look that up if you're not a fan of that one yet. Um, I've, I've uh, had got to be on there a couple times. It's a great, fun show. And it's the time just flies by when you're talking with them. And so thanks, Wendy, for, for listening. And uh, check out her show. It's on Wednesday evenings. Um, so if you're on a team, you probably want to assign review roles, right? Um, and anyone on teams that's experienced, you, you figured that one out pretty quick. Assign roles among the team or your fellow investigators. Um, don't take too much on yourself. Um, it's, I find it hard to get through, you know, when there's, you know, couple of devices with 10 hours each on them, you know, that's a long time. And so try and split up the work, <laughs> try and split up all the, the data. That's a, that's, that's a big one. You learn that one pretty fast. Yeah. Just don't take on too much yourself because then you get complacent and then you're just trying to get, get it over with and you're not listening or watching with as much focus and attention. Um, so don't take on too much. Uh, what's your favorite data to review? Um, if you're listening, jump on, jump on the chat. Let me know what's your favorite kind of data to review. Is it audio? Is it video, photos, um, thermal video? You know, what's kind of your favorite? The historical research. I hope that's some of some of someone's answers. Uh, if you're on the Facebook live stream, go ahead and comment. What's your favorite kind of uh, data to review? But, you know, figure that out amongst your team or your friends. And, you know, do you like audio? Are you the video guy? Are you the photos gal, you know, on the team? Uh, trying to sign roles for each of the reviewers, kind of favorite data to review. 
Don't assign audio to someone who hates audio review. It's going to be painful for them, and you may miss some things. So try and split it up in the the way that you're going to get the best uh, review out of each of the reviewers. So um, if it's someone who hates audio and they don't review any, they're just doing video, well, they can also still have input on possible audio evidence. Um, You know, that's – if they can give an opinion, you know, when it comes time to kind of go over, okay – Investigator number one reviewed this set of audio and they found these anomalous things in it. Well, the person who hates reviewing auto, you still want to have them in on listening and, you know, corroborating um, possibly what they think. If it's a voice, what does it say? You know, that sort of thing. Now we got a comment here um, from Missy. The, f- <laughs> the favorite type of data to review is the finished product on TV. LOL, I'm a chicken. Well, that, you know, hey, that's normal. <laughs> so that's that's pretty good. Um, so, you know, great place to start when you've got all this data, right? You've got, maybe you've got video, multiple cameras, you've got multiple sets of audio, lots of photos. Um, the, the easiest place to start once you've divvied up the work is the notes. So your notes that you've taken throughout the investigation, pre-investigation, um, you know, your interview with the clients, if it's a client-based investigation, your um, in notes from maybe meeting with the client and listening to their claims, having them show you where most of the activity happens, take notes during that. That's a great place to start um, overall with, with the case, you know, with all of the data there. Start with your notes. Um, This should include all the notes from video monitoring during the investigation, personal notes from all the investigators taken during the investigation, and notes taken by psychic investigators too. So uh, however you divvy up the work, you know, kind of divvy up the notes as well to focus on what you're going to be reviewing. But if you've taken the notes, this your life's going to be super, well, I won't say super easy, but a lot easier (laughs) so um notes you know they can tell the story of the investigation right um you want to document the investigation as if the person doing the analysis wasn't there they did not attend the investigation at all but they'd be able to follow along as if they were there so if you think about it like that if you can kind of take that approach um your evidence data review is so much easier. You want, and, and in some cases, um, someone may not investigate, but they still do research, and so they may be reviewing some data. And so having notes that are thorough enough that they can kind of get the feel of the investigation um, just from the notes, you're, you're, doing the, you're on a good path there. Um, it's one of the most important things you can have for data review. So taking good notes will save you. That will be a recurring theme, and I'm going to try and beat it into my own head and everybody else's heads. So let's say you've got everything divvied up, right? Uh, Your notes are divvied up, and uh, the type of data is divvied up between friends, teammates, whatever it may be. Um, Now let's talk about some of the different kinds of data collected on an investigation. 
Um, first one we'll talk about is photographic evidence. So there's a lot of photos that you can, crazy photos that you can get. You've probably seen a million crazy photos uh, online on Facebook with, you know, supposed paranormal activity. Um, it can be a, a, a flawed, you know, it can be flawed like anything else, like audio can be flawed personal experiences, meters, you know, anytime equipment is involved there, you know, there's always a chance for an issue or something created by that equipment. Um, so photographic evidence, probably the most common when I said that photographic evidence, you probably thought of orbs, right? Um, so I think the probably the most common thing to show up in photos when you think you've got something paranormal uh, you know, as possible evidence of the paranormal because there's, they just show up a lot. Um, well, what could an orb be, right? So if you're reviewing some photos and, you know, depending on the location, you know, maybe you were there at the investigation, you were, you knew what the environment was like based on your notes, you can kind of get a sense of what the environment was like was it real dusty in there um did it seem really clean um you know what was the weather you know marking down what the weather's like that's um that's an easy one to forget during an investigation but you know the, the atmospheric conditions have a lot to do with how our meters and stuff may read a location as you go through it so you know take take those kind of notes into consideration. Um, if you maybe noted that your allergies were really kicking up in this location and you're allergic to, uh, you know, pet dander or dust or, you know, pollen, just straight up pollen, <laughs> um, you know, those kind of things could be floating around in the air, right? So if you've noted that, you know, gosh, you know, my allergies are going crazy in here. And that's a pretty, if you're a person who suffers from allergies like me, that's one benefit is that's one way allergies can help you is, oh, this place might be dusty or there's possibly cat or dog hair floating around in the air. I'm picking that up, right? So if there's one good thing for allergies, I guess it's paranormal investigating. Um, so, you know, what could an orb be? Well, dust, bugs, hair, human, cat, dog, otherwise, you know, a uh, hair, then that can look really strange on camera. Um, water droplets in the air. Um, if you've ever taken pictures at the beach, um, you know, at nighttime, it just, you look like you're surrounded by millions of orbs. Um, so moisture is, is a big one. Um, yeah, Wendy, we had another comment from Wendy she said her sinus and allergies are very sensitive to barometric pressure changes. And that's, you know, you could take that as on an investigation too, as the environment's changing. You know, if you kind of know that about your own body and what, how your body reacts to certain things, that's a good way to tell, Hey, and you could note that down. Um, seems, you know, I'm getting pressure changes in here because my allergies are going crazy, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, so with orbs, 
there's so many things that it could be um, in a photo. It's hard to it's hard to verify or validate, you know, in an orb photo. What I usually will, will ask somebody is if somebody sends me a photo and it's and it's got some orbs in it, what looks like orbs, is I'll ask, did you see them with your eyes? And to me, that's kind of a differentiator between it most likely just being hair or a bug or dust. If you don't see anything, if you're in the dark investigating and you're not seeing any lights, but they're showing up on your camera, that's probably most likely something in that environment, right? Uh, but maybe if you're in the dark and you're seeing lights move around, balls of light uh, with your eyes, well, that kind of goes under personal experience. But if you were able to take a photo and also captured what you had as a personal experience, well, that's two different you know, types of media that you've collected data on that corroborate each other. You have a personal experience and a photo, right? So... Um, you can break a lot of hearts with orbs. Um, a lot of people can be disappointed that it find out it's probably just, or maybe it's a piece of a spider web hanging in, in the air, blowing in the air, that it's not a ghost. Um, but so I usually, you know, look at your notes. If you have orb photos during an investigation and at that same time, you yourself or other investigators are noting um, you know, they're having, you know, strange feelings. They start to see these lights move around the room. Well, okay, then that corroborates each other as, and then lends more credibility to that being an anomalous sort of an encounter, um, which is really cool. So orb photos can turn out to be cool if it's the right circumstances. Um, now I've, had orbs in photos and the person said, well, I vacuumed that morning. Uh, you know, when I, it, you know, I took the picture at night, but I vacuumed in the morning. Well, that could leave when you vacuum your house, that kicks a lot of stuff up in the air. I, I don't mean to gross anybody out, but it does. And that stuff can, you know, hang around in the air for hours. So even if you vacuumed in the morning, um, you know, that could be <laughs> still hanging around in the air. Um, so, and, and I'll say as well, if anybody wants to go on the Facebook live stream, uh, on Facebook, Let's Talk Radio's page, on uh, the live stream, and post, I don't know if you can on a live stream, but if you can post, maybe you've got a really cool orb photo or strange thing in a photo, um, go ahead and post it there and I will describe it to the listening audience and we can kind of talk about it a little bit. So feel free to post any up there on the live stream. Um, you know, so we kind of went over some ways you could explain orb photos. Okay. You know, we took this photo, it was outside at one in the morning and we're near a beach and it looks like a million orbs. Okay. It's probably most likely water droplets, right? So photos, you know, can be, can be tricky to, to look at and try and validate. So hopefully in your notes or on another piece of equipment, you've been able to gather corroborating data on that. 
some other anomalies you can catch in photographs, and I'm sure everyone's seen examples of these online over the years, but apparitions. How cool is that if you can catch an apparition? Um, I mean, that's, or, is that what we all want to catch? As <laughs> uh, an apparition on, on photo. And, you know, again, hopefully maybe you had some video running or some audio if you catch an apparition. Maybe there's a sound that accompanies that. What do your notes say? What does the team notes say? Um, but, you know, I think that's what we're all hoping to get uh, anytime, right, is a, is a full-body apparition. Um, strange shadows, shadow people. Um, there's some pretty interesting uh, examples of that you can find if you just Google um, shadow people photos. Um, so you can get some weird stuff there. But, you know, if you were the one that took the photos and you're reviewing it, <clears throat> do you remember... Uh, in your time investigating that you felt you saw the shadow or did you just take a picture randomly in that area? Did you see movement? You know, what else was going on when you captured this strange sort of shadow? Um, you know, just kind of break it down. Um, streaks of light. That can be a number of things that could be, um, a hair that's kind of, you know, on the camera lens sticking out from the side that can look like a streak of light. Um, so you gotta be, you know, kind of careful again. Did you see that streak of light when it happened, when you took the photo, did you see it with your eyes? Did other people see it as well? Are other team and, you know, team members notes saying the same thing, uh, that they saw a streak of light. Um, I, I find those photos pretty interesting where, um, and it's happened a number of times in the attic in the Walk Rains house here in Port Gamble, um, where there's been like, it looks like a spider web of light that'll be near a person. Was it something that was the person wearing a reflective jacket? You know, I don't know in all the cases, but that could make some sort of weird light thing. But they look cool, right? Um, what can you learn from the environment in the photo that makes it seem, you know, what, do, what basically what is not normal to you? What doesn't look normal? And then look around it. Is there anything that you can see in that photo to um, help describe what you're seeing? Don't be afraid to ask. Others on your teams for opinions on any review stuff, photo, videos, audio, whatever. Um, don't be afraid to ask others on the team for, for their opinion. We don't know everything, right? Um, it's kind of the mantra for the show. We don't know much and anything's possible. Uh, if you go to somebody else for a second opinion and you both are stumped now, um, you might want to reach out to an outside consultant or somebody who examines photos, right? Uh, a photographer. Um, sometimes anomalies can be explained by something technical with the equipment. I kind of touched on that a little bit ago. Who better to ask than a photographer who knows cameras, right? Um, you know, if you're stumped on a photo and just absolutely, you know, you're about to, you know, you think it's a legit paranormal thing, you know, try and get somebody who knows that equipment really well 
they may have seen this before. Oh yeah, this model tends to do this in this sort of environment. You know, if the shutter's sticky, you'll get this sort of effect. You know, um, don't be afraid to kind of go outside of your team um, with their permission, with the team's permission, go outside and get help with reviewing something because photos can just be, you know, pretty strange. There are apps out there where you can um, convert a photo to the raw image and you can look at all the metadata from the photo. When was it taken? What device was it taken on? Um, you know, ghost photo apps are fun, but you shouldn't use them investigating because oftentimes you'll, you'll get stuff <laughs> in the photos, but it wasn't from your investigation. Uh, it may have been embedded in there. And so they can be fun, right? But um, if you're trying to catch photographic evidence, maybe don't use uh, a ghost app. Use it for when you're having fun. Because um, <clears throat> I'll put something in there. And you know, I'll give a good example of, of photo analysis. So over the years, um, I've had... Numerous different people um, send me a photo of the Walker Ames house. And on the second floor, facing out facing the water, there is a bathroom. And most people take photos of the house um, from down below the house, kind of looking back up at it. So this window is on the second story on the front corner of the house. And if you... If you've seen the grudge, a lot of people have, you know what I'm talking about. It looks like the thing from the grudge, the girl from the grudge in this second story window. And it's always the same window and it can be really creepy looking. And the first couple of times somebody had sent me a photo of that saying, I think I caught something. You know, I was like, I got the creeps. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I noticed that it was um, the same thing showing up in this photo. And it was always when it was taken from down below the house, looking back up at the house. And I was able to uh, reproduce that photo by taking one and figured out that in the fall and winter, when all the leaves fall off the trees... There's big maple trees right next to, and elm trees right next to the Walker Ames house, uh, the elm trees. And the branches on the old lead, lead glass windows on a gray day creates this pareidolia in this window that looks like the girl from the grudge. Um, so, you know, I was able to actually go out and reproduce that. Now, I'm, you're not going to be able to do that for every investigation, especially if it's someone home and, and you know, they don't want you to be over there all the time looking for ghosts at their house. Um, you may not be able to go to that location and recreate it, but I kind of looked at the, started to look at the environment because multiple people were sending me this, basically the same photo and started to look at the environment and where's reflections and what's, what's the, environment outside like and like i said fall winter and when the branches are bare and it's gray skies um and it creates this really weird pareidolia so that's one example of of kind of going through 
a strange photo. Um, but again, you know, going back to orbs, you know, the most common thing in photos, did you, did the investigators see it with their eyes and did, could they see it moving around as it shows on the photo or the video file? So I don't know. Orbs are, orbs are tricky. (laughs) So if you get orbs in your photo, think about it first (laughs) before you get real excited. Um, the next kind of evidence uh, data review might be video, right? So we just talked about photographic. Well, if you've got cameras, you've got some video files to go through and video files can be big and, um, large video files. Um, but it can be a lot easier, um, than, than audio. If you're more impatient, video is probably, uh, good for you. Um, it's, you can watch things at double speed <laughs> if you want to. Um, so you can get through it much faster than you can with audio. Uh, but again, it's easier when you have notes from your investigation. If you've got a DVR system and or you've set up multiple cameras and you've got kind of during the investigation, you've got kind of like a headquarters, you know, a home base uh, table where you can monitor all the cameras that are running. If you're running a DVR system, and um, you have a person there taking notes on anything they see or anything they hear any other investigators say, they're noting it down. And so if you've got those notes, again, it's going to make it real easy. You can almost pinpoint areas of where you, you may, you think you caught something during the investigation. Well, now you're going back to check it out. You have an exact time that you can go to and and check that out um time stamping you know uh when you when you're taking your notes writing the time down um time of day and then maybe the time in the file uh on the video feed and then that way you can easily find it find it later um you know again it's all about corroborating with other pieces of equipment and if you can tie multiple pieces of equipment to an occurrence of something strange you may get more of a full picture. Um, you know, and that'll help you determine, just like in that photo example I was just talking about, may, you know, help you determine, you know, you know the environment, you know what was going on, the context. Um, it gives you more of a full picture of what was going on. And maybe you can determine a little easier. I think that was paranormal. <laughs> or it was just normal. Um, DVR systems, you know, for, for teens, Great for consolidating the data. Plus, you could set up a great monitoring live through the investigation um, for you know for note taking and monitoring. Uh, if you've got the physical space and the digital storage space uh, to handle large files, DVR systems are, are great. Um, <clears throat> I'm not really a video guy myself. Um, I just have a full spectrum GoPro that I use for photos and in videos and I like to keep it simple. Um, but DVR systems, if you've, you know, you're covering a location and, and you need multiple cameras, it's definitely the way to go. <clears throat> As I briefly mentioned, uh, you can review video at various speeds, um, which totally speeds up the process of going through it. Right. Um, 
try not to review more than two video files at one time because you'll probably miss something. So if you're, um, you know, going to be reviewing DDR footage and you have, a, you know, the opportunity to have multiple uh, cameras that you're reviewing at once, try not to do more than two um, because you're probably going to miss something because you're looking at the wrong screen. You're looking at the wrong camera. Um, you definitely don't want to go in my, this is just my opinion. You don't want to go more than double speed. If you've got two screens, uh, two cameras that you're reviewing at the same time, because they, you can just totally easy, easily miss something. Um, and that's usually when all the good stuff happens, right? <laughs> when you're not looking, that's when all the good stuff is. Um, use whatever video editing software that you're used to, that you're comfortable with. Um, you know, but make sure that, you know, if you do get something that you're, you know, you want to get another opinion on or, or you think, you know, shoot, I just got a, saw an apparition on the video. What I think is an apparition, you know, give a good chunk of time on either end of that anomalous occurrence. So, you know, at least like 10 seconds on either side. Um, if you're ultimately going to be giving it to a client, uh, you know, when you're reporting your findings to a client, they may not need that big of a file, but for your reference and your teammates or friends reference, give them a good chunk of time on either side so that they can have a little bit of time, you know, when they start the clip, they can kind of get an idea of what the environment is, what's going on they can get a little bit of a context with it and then also have time after the occurrence to see if maybe, um, you know, something, a bug flies in front of the camera, but it looked like on an IR light, this big shadow moved the room, but it was just a bug crawling across your, your infrared light. So um, give good amount of time on, on either side of whatever strange thing you think you have on video. Um, that can, go a long way, especially when someone who hasn't been or was not at the, at the investigation, um, you know, that they, they can give time for themselves to get familiar with the surroundings there. Uh, if you want to see some really interesting video and photographic evidence, uh, I've brought it up on the show before, but check out the skull experiment. They got a really good Facebook page. Um, I mean, this is some of the wildest stuff on film, you know, on video and on photographic film. And if you're not familiar with it, check it out. Um, it's 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 kind of cool. I've I've kind of been fascinated once I found out about the skull experiments and started looking into it. I was just it's just fascinating to me. And if you're not familiar with it you know, check it out. It's, it's really interesting, but they were basically in the nineties started in 1993 in England. And it was a group of, um, people who there was psychics and, um, physical mediumship. So channeling that sort of thing. Um, this group, and they basically embarked on a five-year experiment using revolutionary kind of energy to produce tangible objects from the spirit world. So they're trying to get things to a port, to appear, um, and communicate, um, 
trying to get an actual voice box to form so that somebody could speak through actual vocal cords or perceived vocal cords. It's really interesting. It was, the goal of it was to produce not just one tangible object, but such a huge number and variety that scientists would have to sit up and take notice. So they did tons of these sessions. And, and um, it was comprised of two couples, and they operated completely independently of the spiritualist movement or any other organization. Um, they were non-religious and non-sectarian. Uh, their work was intended to be universal and embraced people from all walks of life. And it's, it, I would say based on what they were doing, I mean, no matter who you are, you're going to, you kind of stop and take notice of this one, at least in my opinion. Um, they were involved in serious scientific research in the paranormal using this new and unique approach. And <clears throat> so some of these experiments took place all over the world throughout the nineties. Um, but they predominantly took place in one of those couples' home, uh, and it was in the base in the cellar. Uh, it was called the Skull Hole, and the sessions that they would do would generally last for two to two and a half hours, depending on the experiments. And they would do experiments simultaneously. They do multiple experiments. Um, the cool thing is the Society for Psychical Research. They observe and studied and conducted their own experiments during the skull experiment. So live, they participated in these experiments, and and a lot of the stuff left them baffled. Um, you know, they performed um, audio, photographic, and video experiments all in the same month and even during the same session. So they would do multiple kinds of experiments. Um, the best known evidence gathered was photographic evidence. And so check this out. Go to their Facebook page. And that might be in a website still. I think it was called skullexperiment.com. Um, but they would have these images of faces or people, like a whole person. Um, what looked like outer space. There would be images of landmarks around the world, uh, like the pyramids. Um, just showing up on the film and so what they were doing is basically taking brand new film and then they were leaving it sealed in the package and then it was placed by an independent person into a canister and then the canister was locked and then it was brought into the area where they were holding the session in, in their home in England there and they would do their session and ask the others on the other side ask those people, um, their spirit team over there to put images, what they wanted to communicate onto the film. So then the investigators who were there checking this out, they have this locked um, canister, right? They would then after the session, they would go remove it, uh, remove it from the location. Then they would unlock it, take out the sealed film still in the packaging and develop it, and there would be all these crazy images on there. So who who knows how that happens? But it's it's really fascinating. Um, there's strange stuff on video. I mean, you just there's like a what looks like an alien. Um, there's just some really 
crazy stuff that showed up on video and photo photos and with audio. Um, amazing stuff. There was even a reel of film containing details of the trans-dimensional communication device, the germanium receptor. That the plans for that, the drawings of that showed up on film. Um, this experiment, that particular one was witnessed by members of the Society for Psychical Research. Um, and the images were received on 35 millimeter film and no camera was used. The film reel was simply placed on the table and the communicators transmitted the images to it. There's also a possible signature from Thomas Edison. Um, Dated 1925, 72 years before the skull experiment signature appealed, appeared on the film reel. So that was a thing that Thomas Edison was involved in, the germanium receptor. Um, the signature on the film was received in the skull experiment in 1997. So, I mean, there's just some weird stuff. Some of the Society for Psychical Research uh, members... Um, notable members that were involved in this in this case was Sir Arthur Ellison, Montague Keane, and Dr. David Fontana. Um, so, I mean, they, they really tried to figure out what was going on there and if there was some hoaxing going on. And now that I've given you something to check out, we're going to go to a top-of-the-hour news break here on Let's Talk Radio, WLTKDB. Dot com. I'm your host, Peter Van, the Paranormal Pete Show. When we come back, we're going to talk about some audio evidence review and psychic evidence review and uh, go from there. So we'll see you on the flip side here on Let's Talk Radio. Thanks a lot. We didn't invent great sound. We perfected it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. The report is not true. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. That's what Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates is saying about a New York Times story that claims he's being investigated by the Justice Department for a relationship with a 17-year-old girl. Gates says he and his family are the targets of an extortion plot, and federal authorities know about it. I am demanding that the Department of Justice and the FBI release the audio recordings that were made under their supervision and at their direction which will prove my innocence. On Fox's Tucker Carlson, tonight Gates claims a former Justice Department employee is behind the plot. The president travels to Pittsburgh tomorrow to outline his infrastructure plan. President Biden's Build Back Better plan is expected to total more than $2 trillion, a proposal that will include roads and bridges with investments in clean energy. He sees, um, you know, uh, clean energy and clean energy jobs as central to his uh, own vision and his own objectives. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the speech delivered by the president will explain the need to invest in the industries of the future. Fox's Jared Halpern. G. Gordon Liddy, one of the central figures in the 1972 Watergate break-in, has died. In a 1990 interview with a current affair, he said people's view of him depends on which side of the aisle they're on. The Washington Post uh 
characterized me as the Darth Vader of the Nixon administration. And, and people were uh, saying of me, uh, they said of the original George Gordon, you know, Lord Byron, he's mad, bad, and dangerous to know. Liddy was convicted of conspiracy, burglary, and illegal wiretapping and served over four years in prison, including more than 100 days in solitary confinement. G. Gordon Liddy was 90. Australia plans to start building its own guided missiles in collaboration with the U.S. to boost its defense capabilities. In making the announcement, Prime Minister Scott Morrison cited what he called a changing global environment. America is listening to Fox News. Are you running a business? Then why are you still going to the post office? Do it all online with Stamps.com. Avoid trips to the post office, print postage, send invoices, letters, or packages, and schedule pickups right from your home or office 24-7. With Stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter code FOX for a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. Stamps.com, code FOX. Ships are making their way through the Suez Canal again as the investigation into what caused a container ship to get stuck continues. Standing on the banks of the Suez Canal, Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi said, Our clear message to the world is everything is back to normal. A giant container ship was finally dislodged yesterday after blocking the busy shipping channel for nearly a week. It's still not clear why the Ever Given ran aground. It's owner is refusing to discuss possible causes while investigations continue. Experts say expensive lawsuits could follow. In London, Simon Owen, Fox News. The pandemic has forced major companies to rethink offices. J.P. Morgan, PricewaterhouseCoopers and Salesforce are among major companies canceling office space because they plan for more employees to work remotely at least part of the time. The Wall Street Journal says J.P. Morgan is trying to sublet office space in lower Manhattan. PricewaterhouseCoopers and Yelp have also listed space in New York for sublease. Salesforce has listed listed space for rent in one of its San Francisco buildings. Office rents for more expensive space declined around 13% nationwide over the past year. Ginny Cosola, Fox News. The first private SpaceX flight has filled its last open seats with a scientist who's also a teacher and a data engineer whose college friend won the spot but gave him the prize. The teacher, Cyan Proctor from Arizona, and Chris Sembrowski, a former Air Force missile man from Washington State, will join flight sponsor Jarek Jared Isaacman and another passenger for a three-day orbit this fall. Isaacman is the CEO of a credit card processing company in Pennsylvania. He's paying for the flight while also raising money for St. Jude Children's Hospital. I'm Lisa Lacerra and this is Fox News. Peter Orbea. We're at the top of the five minutes past the second hour here. If you're listening on the East Coast, it's really late there. And I hope you're finding this interesting and creepy as it gets really late night there. Um, and then uh, again, it shows on every Tuesday, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific. And that's 11 p.m. Eastern. And just give a shout out to the station here and station producer. Uh, manager Todd Bates in his show Haunted Voices. I uh, just want to give him a shout out. He does great, great work and uh, puts on a really good radio station here. So check out all the shows at WLTK 
db.com. There's a lot of great stuff throughout the whole week. Um, so before the top of the hour break here, I was talking about the skull experiment and <clears throat> mentioned some of the notable uh, members of the Society for Psychical Research that were involved in doing their own experiments and trying to look for trickery and hoaxing of the skull experiments. And that was uh, Sir Arthur Ellison, Montague Keene, and Dr. David Fontana were some of the leading um, investigators on that. And in 1999, they published their findings. So I kind of want to circle back to that. In 1999, they published their findings of the skull experiment in the official Society for Psychical Research proceedings. Their conclusion was, the events in the skull experiments cannot be explained by known scientific laws or trickery. How cool is that? So I wanted to give you guys some example of some photo and video that's just stumped everybody. <laughs> even the SPR. Um, you know, they were even bringing in professional magicians to observe the sessions and they all even concluded that there was um, no trickery that they could witness. So they, they have professional people with who do illusions and trickery come in and they couldn't find anything. So the skull experiment is a good example of some photo photographic and video data that is evidence and is, it stumps everybody. So, um, from a psychic standpoint, you know, I, I think they were legit, um, having things come through and communicate. So, um, super interesting. So anyways, look up the skull experiment and, uh, careful where you, careful where you, uh, don't go down the rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> I had a comment here. Um, I will drop a link to, for that experiment afterwards. Um, I can't really do that while I'm on here. So I can do that, but they have a Facebook page. Just search the skull experiment on Facebook and you can check out, uh, it's a really cool Facebook page. Um, so that was some photographic and video evidence, right? We were talking about, um, now we're going to talk about audio review, which is ding, ding, ding. It's my favorite. I love doing audio review. Um, I, more of an audio kind of person, um, playing music and all that kind of stuff. So you're welcome, Wendy. Thanks for watching. Um, and, and also mention if you're listening out there, not on the Facebook stream, hop on the station chat. And if you've got um, a, a really strange piece of evidence um, on an investigation before, if you can briefly summarize it, put it on the chat or on the um, Facebook uh, live stream. And we'll, and we'll talk about it. Um, and uh, oh, for listeners on the on the Facebook page, it's Skull S C O L E Skull Experiment S C O L E. So yeah, check that out. Um, so audio, you know, I bet that's a lot of people's favorite, right? <laughs> How many out there could agree with that? You can comment on the chat or on the Facebook live stream. But I, I just like reviewing audio, um, you know, other than personal experiences, audio is probably uh, the most common type of um, thing where evidence will show up. 
the common type of data that evidence will show up on. Um, it, at least in my opinion, especially here in Port Gamble, it's, it's, there's tons of strange audio things that, that happen out here. Um, especially in the Walker Ames house. Um, you know, you're, when you have an audio file and I mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. If you're going to be running audio during an investigation, go ahead and turn it on. Um, when you're going into the building and so maybe you start outside and you can give some atmospheric conditions when you start your session along with your time stamp saying what time where are you at where are you about to enter um and then if possible leave your audio running the entire time whether you set it down um or carry it around with you um try and leave it running the whole time until you're done and leaving because so many times you, you break down all your equipment and you turn all your recorders off. And before you leave the location, you hear a voice or you hear footsteps or you hear a whistle or something, right? <laughs> How many people out there have had that happen? I'll raise my hand to that <laughs> numerous times. Um, so when, you, when you're going to be running audio, try and run it the entire time you're at the location. You just never know. You never know when someone's going to come through because they think you're not listening. And then something may try and speak. And it comes through as an EVP and you don't hear it. So you just don't know. But your audio file, remember how I was talking about with the notes, that your notes should tell the story of the investigation. So if somebody was to review your notes, they could follow along and get a sense of what the investigation was like. Your audio file should be the same way as you investigate. So you want to think of if somebody is going to review my audio file that wasn't there, they'd be able to kind of follow along with what's going on, what's being experienced, what's being heard, you know, everything. So. That's kind of like another way to take your notes. Um, you want to set yourself up for su success with audio review by controlling the investigation environment as much as possible. And you can do things like time stamping uh, at the beginning and the end of your audio session. Don't forget to mention the time. Thank you, Wendy, for posting the Skull Experiment Facebook page. Check it out. Um, Timestamp. Don't forget to do timestamping throughout the investigation. It's just helpful. Um, you know, anytime you experience something that you think might be paranormal, something that's not normal, mention the time when you say it. Say what you heard. Say what you saw. Um, say what you felt. Um, did your mail meter, um, you know, or EMF meter, did it? go crazy all of a sudden, make a note of the time by either writing it down and, and maybe saying it as well. Um, you know, this is going to help create an audio log, basically. Um, and that way, when you go to do your review, you've got, you know, you hear yourself or another team member say, what was that? I just heard something. 
it sounded like this, you know, or it was a footstep. Okay, it's uh, 10.22 p.m. We're on the first floor. Go back about 20 seconds and listen. So you see how that can help you when you're doing your audio review because then you hear that and you go, oh, I need to go back and listen again and see if I can hear if that came through on the digital recorder as what was heard in the space and the location at the time. Um, time stamping and stuff can help with video analysis and corroborating the experienced activity. So again, trying to get multiple pieces of equipment to corroborate some sort of occurrence, right? So maybe something was on video that's notated down at 10.22 p.m., for example, and in your audio at 10.22 p.m., there's footsteps or an unexplained voice that doesn't belong to any of the investigators, but, and then something happened on video, too. Well, that makes it more interesting and, and more credible as something that could be paranormal um, because, you, you know, you're using multiple pieces of equipment. If it, you know, if you have two, if you have more than one piece of equipment that's picked up on something, you know, I think uh, as my friend Michael White said uh, when he was on the show that if it leaves you m with more questions, that's the right way. <laughs> so, um, but again, time stamping throughout your investigation is going to be real helpful. Um, how many people have been investigating and you're holding flashlights and meters? Well, how, how do you expect to take notes, right? I keep saying you guys need to take notes. Um, but if your hands are full with equipment, well, you can't really take notes, right? Or maybe you say you have really bad handwriting and you should have been a doctor. Um, keep an audio log going throughout the entire investigation. So it can be the same as taking notes, but much easier and quicker to just speak what you experienced or you heard or you saw. Um, so it's, it's, you know... If you do this with time stamping, each time you, you think something happened, whether it's paranormal or not, um, you know you may know if something happened, or you'll get a vocal cue from yourself or another team member on your audio file to go back and listen. So that goes back to the, hey, go back 20 seconds. Listen for this. I heard this. Um, avoid whispering during the investigation. I'm sure you, if you're on a team, you probably learned that real fast. Um, it's okay to speak in a normal volume. Um, some of the coolest audio I've had is when everyone's just kind of talking and then somebody else decides to talk as well. Um, maybe they are aware of us and they think we're not listening for them. And so they'll speak. And so just speak in a normal volume. And, you know, I know it's super hard not to whisper when you're investigating, especially if you're investigating at night and stuff's, stuff's happening. You want to kind of clam up and, and listen. It's hard not to whisper, but you just try and speak at normal volume. <laughs> Otherwise, you have a bunch of whispers on your audio file and you may have to then throw it out um, because then any any potential evidence could be whispering right so it kind of ruins the credibility of your file of your data um you know make sure to tag or 
if you have a certain code word you want to use, if noises made by other investigators, the wind outside, building noises, car doors outside, a dog barking. Um, we're coming up on frog season here. So during investigations, the frogs get a little crazy. Um, you, you know, you can just notate that in your audio log, but just keep saying it. And, you know, don't forget to make note of strange or unexplained noises as they happen so that you can catch them on your audio log and get a better listen. Go back and get a better listen. And then, you know, check the video notes if you have video notes. Is there anything else around that same time? Check it out. Um, but audio is one of my favorite. Um, Audacity is a free program that's works great for, for audio review. Uh, Adobe has some nice stuff too. Uh, if you don't want to spend the money, audacity is a great way to start. Um, and again, if you have clips of something, um, try and give a good chunk of time when you're clipping out a piece of audio that, that you're not sure about, or you think is an EVP or a direct voice, uh, or disembodied voice. Um, Leave a good chunk so you can hear, you know, at least five seconds on an audio clip, I would say, on either side of the occurrence so that you get a little bit of lead in of hearing what other noises are going on that the living investigators are, are making. And then you can hear what happens afterwards. Does anybody react? That's kind of an important part is some space after that. Um, strange occurrence in your audio to see if anybody uh, that you were investigating with says, Hey, did you hear that? Um, you know, that way you can tell that maybe it's not just an EVP. It's a disembodied sound or disembodied uh, voice or whatever it is. Um, so give some time on either end. If you're clipping that out and that helps if you're working with the client, um, like a private home investigation and it gives them a little bit of context too that they can then pick out easier what you think is strange. So I hope that makes sense. And if anybody has any questions, feel free to put them in the station chat at WLTKDB.com or on the Facebook live stream on the Let's Talk Radio's Facebook page. Um, so we just went through audio, which is my favorite. Um, and I'm hoping a lot, of, a lot of you out there listening that you like uh, the audio too. The only thing that I don't like about audio is it's like twice as long as what your file is. So with video, you can watch things at double speed, right? So if you have a two hour video file, you're going through, you can probably get done in an hour or a little after that, depending on if you have to go back and, and rewatch something a lot of times. But if you have a two hour audio file, you've probably got three to four hours that you have to dedicate to that. Because you're going to stop and you're going to go back and you're going to listen and you're going to zoom in on that sound and you're going to um, look at the spectrograph and the you know the sound waves you know so it takes longer. Plus, you can't review audio evidence at double speed unless you really like the chipmunks, um, or maybe you just want some entertainment. Then you can, but you have to you have to review it in standard like regular time. So it can be very time consuming. Um, especially if you have really long audio files to go through, 
you know, like 10, 12 hours, or maybe you set your equipment up and left and came back the next day. Um, and your, you know, memory card is completely full. You have to really break that up into smaller chunks or else you're just, your head's going to be spinning. Um, but it does take a long time. That's the only drawback to, to audio reviews. It takes probably the longest. Um, another form of data that you can review, it's, uh, it seems unconventional, but psychic investigation review. So hopefully if you're on a team, you've got, um, you know, you've got a medium or, or a couple or the whole team is mediums. Um, that's just as important on, on an investigation. Um, you know, you really want to make sure that you can establish some sort of protocols though. If you're going to be using, um, a psychic or a medium or an empath, on an investigation, um, maybe they're on your team or just someone you're bringing in um, special for an investigation, um, make sure that you're following some sort of protocols um, because you don't want to inadvertently bias their experience. Uh, you want to, in a sense, blindfold them, right, before going to an investigation so that they're not biased and you can get as real of a reading as you can that's that's not biased um keeping you know keep information from the psychic investigators prior to the investigation so they're not coming in with a bias um and it's good to have you know a lot of times you know don't share anything now i know there's just some places that everybody knows about right uh the myrtle myrtle plantation you know or gettysburg Everyone knows those places, right? So it's hard to get around having bias. But, you know, if you're going to be investigating in a place like that where there's just inherent bias to it, it's good to have the psychic investigators do it separately. Don't have them in the same room at the same time um, because they could bias each other inadvertently without even saying a word. And especially if they're very adept at receiving th thoughts and messages. Um, so, it's, you know, good to have them work separately in the location and, you know, to take notes. Um, it's best with, with psychic investigators if you can take notes um, or assign somebody to walk around with that person and take notes for them so that they can just kind of speak. Um, if that's not possible, you could maybe just keep kind of a quiet audio log, but that's also another reason why to have psychic investigators investigate spaces independently of each other and separately so that they can, if they want to just keep an audio log, you know, a little voice recorder, um, that is probably a lot easier than trying to write, you know. So if you want to go that route, just make sure you're not in the same room, same floor, you know, if possible, or, you know, separated inside and outside the location um, as they go through. Um, and, it, you know, like I said, maybe assign somebody to go around with them. Um, go over, when you're doing your review, this is part of the notes process, right? You're going to go over all those notes provided by the psychic investigators. Does anything corroborate with any other data that was collected? Um, you know, on audio, you know, does, is something in their notes 
Are they saying, they keep saying the name Abby. They keep writing down the name Abby. I keep getting the name Abby, for example. Um, did you capture a piece of audio that sounds like a voice saying Abby or something in, related to the name Abby? Um, you know, is that corroborating evidence? It's good validation for the psychic. Uh, make them feel good. <laughs> um, you know, or was it, you know, can you tell on your audio, was that another investigator who said that name? And which may explain why the psychic may have said it. Maybe they kind of heard it, didn't realize they were hearing it from another living investigator. Um, so, you know, if their notes have something that you've got in an, you know, in an audio file that you've noted, well, that could be really interesting. And that could be, make that piece of evidence a little more, a little bit more credible. I hope that makes sense. Um, you know, this is also where historical research can provide clues or dismiss speculation um, on a place, you know, or what may have happened there historically. So historical research, this is where that can come in, um, you know, and have a lot of impact is with, with psychic investigation. Um, does anything in the historical research provide validation to the psychic investigators notes or claims or experiences they had? Um, is it something like their house is built on the site of an old church where a church used to be and the, the claims of activity at this location is they see people see the apparition of a monk. Um, you know, I, I imagine in England, this sort of thing happening, um, you know, that the claims of activity is a monk or hearing monk chants. And it's this, you know, it's a building that was built on the site of an old church. You know, that historical research may, you know, uh, or, or if the psychic keeps saying, I keep seeing a lot of monks. Um, I see religious service. I see crosses. I, you know, whatever the religious symbol is. Um, if you have that historical research to say, well, this originally, this site was a church, that's good, great validation for the psychic investigator. And does that also corroborate again with your audio or anything in your video or the claims of activity, the personal experiences? So it can kind of all tie the historical research can kind of tie everything together, um, in a more understandable way. And it's, it's really good for the psychic investigator to get that kind of validation. Uh, it helps with their own trust level. Um, now, I don't know about everybody else, but, you know, it, trusting yourself is a, is a struggle when you're investigating psychically. And to get validation like that, it kind of reinforces your work that you're doing and how you go about your work. And it also helps build trust with the other team members or other teams or just other people in the field. It helps build trust that you're, you're investigating, trying to investigate credibly and reporting things in a credible way. So, um, you know, don't forget the psychic investigation piece of your data because that is another set of data. It's just not a normal conventional scientific set of data, uh, but it is data nonetheless. Um, Another really important part with your data analysis and review 
is labeling. <laughs> Common sense, right? Well, it's, it's, you got to know, you got to remember it. <laughs> Taking notes and labeling all of your data and evidence clearly is, is, can be really helpful. Um, Again, we're on that theme of, of taking notes, audio, writing them down, whatever it is, but having those notes to back everything up. And when you label a piece of video or audio or even, even a photo as well, um, you want to have, and this is in your file name, so when you, you know, you've gone through and you, you've picked pieces of audio out, so, you know, a couple sections of video, whatever it is, you want to label your file in the best way you can that's going to be the most efficient for later use. And so you want to have the date on there. You want to have the location. You want to maybe include the time. Um, you know, if, if it makes it a really long file name, you know, uh, that's a little more optional, but it's good to, good to have that on there, um, you know, because it just further specifies that, that particular file. You want to name whatever it is you think is going on, whether, you know, if it's an audio piece, what do you think it says? Label it that. If it's a piece of video, what is it you're seeing? You know, label it like bright orange light, flashing red light, uh, you know, whatever it looks like, um, floating ball of light, and large orb, you know, you want to label it as, as specific as you can to what you are seeing. And so, for example, for like a piece of audio, I would put the date it was taken. So like 03-30-2021. And then audio Sony, I would put, you know, whatever your whatever audio device that this was picked up on, especially if you have multiple audio devices. I would put the name of the recorder that was used and then the location. So then I, in my example, I have, uh, I you know, I would put EVP, disembodied, you know, ghost box, you know, to kind of start it. What device? So mine would be a Sony, the location, the Walker Ames house, and then get out. Let's say that's what I think the audio says. Get out. And then lastly, the time, 7.43 p.m., let's say. So you want to be real clear on your labeling. So if I just took that file, audio, Sony, Walker, Ames, house, I could even put first floor, parlor, get out, 7.43 p.m. When I send that to another team member for further review, it's, it's labeled and it can be easily found, uh, especially once your, your data starts to pile up. It can be easily found. So <clears throat> labeling is, you know, super important. If you've got a ton of data to go through, thorough labeling will make it so much easier to go back and ultimately present your findings to your client if it's a client-based investigation. It also makes it easier for your clients to know what the file is. <laughs> so if you're going to be turning this, you know, potential evidence over to a client, make it super clear on your labeling of the file. And then that way they know what it is right when they're looking at it. They don't have to try if you've given them, 
you know, 10 audio files. You don't have to click through each one. Oh, was it this one? No, it wasn't that one. It was, it was this one file. No, it wasn't that file. It just makes it a lot easier for your clients. And in turn, it's easier in your archives as well to go find something if you needed to go find a piece of evidence. So, um, you know, a piece of audio because you caught another similar thing on another investigation, you want to compare it. Well, if you label it specifically, um, that can save you in the long run. But if it's a client investigation, it's it's nice and, and important for the ease of, of the client too. So labeling is, is a good one. Um, and then reporting your evidence. So now that you've collected, you've done your investigation, you've collected all the data you're going to get from this inv particular investigation, you've reviewed all your parts of it. Um, well, how do you, how do you report it? And so some things you do again is be prepared and be organized, uh, with putting everything together. Um, you know, put all the video together, put all the audio together, um, labeling again, you know, being prepared, having everything labeled very specifically and user friendly. We'll just say user friendly, uh, but organize all the evidence for ease of the sharing. Uh, before you share with clients, get second opinions on anything you think is evidence with your fellow investigators on your team. Maybe it's uh, team leaders or case managers, outside consultants, other teams, you know, other friends that you may have, other colleagues that you work with. Um, get second opinions on things, especially um, with audio when it's hard to tell what's being said. Make sure everybody on your team's in it. it at least in, you know, you want to be as close to all in agreement as to what the, they think the sound is uh, before you present it to a client. Um, so get those second opinions um, prior to reporting it. You know, like I said before, don't be afraid to go to like an outside consultant or someone who um, is a photographic expert or a video expert or an audio expert, um, just in, you know, to alleviate any any thinking that it's technical um, is what, you know, the cause of the phenomena that he captured. Um, so don't be afraid to go, to go outside and get that. You want to write a written summary of evidence for your clients. So make it easy, you know, summarize everything. Um, you know, it, you may also provide if relevant to your findings, a summary of the investigation notes. So you can include that in your summary or a supplemental to your summary is, is investigation notes. Um, it might be relevant to the activity and what they're experiencing, and it might help them with the answers that they're uh, looking for. So if your client isn't present during the investigation, giving them the notes also help them get a feel of how the investigation went, what was happening when, what are some of the environmental conditions that were going on? So, you know, if, if it's like a private home and, and they, you know, may not choose to be there while you investigate, you know, the notes can help give them a sense of how the investigation went. So if you've taken those good notes um, or your audio notes, they can all be in that summary. Um, I know, right, again, with the note-taking. <laughs> Uh, you can now imagine, I'm sure, how much that one piece of an investigation can help make your findings more credible 
or more sketchy <laughs> if you if you don't do it right. But um, and then you know when you're gonna um, report your findings to a client, you know make sure they've got um, the the copies that are sufficient for them for that they can watch or listen to on their own devices. So make sure it's it's not a specific file type that not everything will run. Um, make sure it's real easy and. A big one here is after you've got your uh, analysis done and you've reported the clients, boy, don't we all want to share it with everybody, right? We all want to share that crazy evidence we got, that crazy sound we got, the voice, the picture. Uh, just make sure you have permission before sharing anything publicly, whether it's paranormal or not. Um, you know, it, or could be construed as paranormal. Just make sure you get permission. As, you know, you want to be keep confidential and trust with your clients. But if you've investigated a public location, a historic site, something like that, just make sure you have permission from those places before you just go start sharing your cool evidence that you gathered during your investigation. So get that permission. So that's my tips on going your data analysis your data analysis and setting up yourself for success so it's not such an overbearing part of investigating uh, a lot of people mentioned in the beginning of the show it's so exciting to get into investigating and, and super exciting to go to the locations and maybe have some experiences and then the real work starts and that's the data review and the analysis of that data is it paranormal? Is it not? Can we prove it something else? That's that's the hard part of all of it. So I hope these tips will be helpful in some way. Um, but just if there's one thing, what's the theme? You all said it now. I, I heard you. Note taking, right? <laughs> so, uh, just get used to it. If you're an investigator and you, and you don't take notes, try it out. And I think you'll find your data review will be so much more efficient and succinct to where you'll enjoy it <laughs> if you don't enjoy it already. Um, I think maybe paranormal investigators might be gluttons for punishment um, to go collect, you know, all that data and then have to go through it. So um, just remember your notes and always remember to be respectful when investigating, no matter where you're at. Um, Try and be respectful and shoot. You might get more credible evidence. You might get uh, more than you normally would if you go in with respect and and uh, get that back from what you're investigating. So just always remember that. Um, well, we're getting close, closer here to the end of the show. But um, So I wanted to talk about a couple of places here in Port Gamble. And one of them has not had one of the buildings here has not had extensive paranormal investigation. I would say very little, um, if any, like an official like case study or long-term investigation. But uh, there's a house here that it just always has a creepy feeling about it, at least to me. <laughs> And uh, it's, it's a really neat house. Um, they're all houses here, by the way. 
they're all New England architecture, uh, like from Maine, because that's where the founders of the town were from, was East Machias, Maine. And so all the buildings, uh, most all the buildings were houses, but some of them are commercial now. So one of these old houses is just interesting. It's got a, um, a bit of a strange layout to it. Um, it doesn't seem normal as to, you know, from what it looks like on the outside, it's kind of cut up strangely. Um, and so it, it's just an interesting location, but the times that I've, I have been in there, um, and been able to go in, I, every room feels like there's just EMF like crazy in it. And if you're sensitive to EMF and you, uh, well, for example, anybody out there, if you ever stood under power lines or near a substation, that you, that's what how your body feels EMF is how you felt standing near the power lines, right? So I felt like in most every room in this in this location that um, we'd walk into that there was it felt like there was a presence like in every room. And when you would walk in, it was not a welcoming presence either. And even with trying to go in with respect, it, it was just felt unwelcoming. And you would walk into a room and it just felt like right in the middle of the room, there's something standing there looking at you. You can't see it. You just know it. You just feel it, that, that sort of thing. Just real uneasy and all kinds of butterflies shooting through your, your stomach. And then it's, it would seem like it would, whatever this energy was, would just kind of back away from you into a wall and go through the wall, I'm guessing, into the next room over. Um, but, it's, you know, the times I've been in there, it's like every space you walk into, there's like a... Um, just an unwelcoming feeling. It's just strange. And there's a lot of woods right on the edge of Port Gamble. And uh, it's a really cool uh, park. It's now all county. Um, it's called the Port Gamble Heritage Park. It's almost 4,000 acres of trails and hiking and stuff. So if you ever come up to the Seattle area, make sure you hop a ferry across to North Kitsap and come out to Port Gamble if you like hiking and biking and stuff like that. Um, so there's there's woods that border border the town, and uh, it just feels like there's people outside of this building that kind of come from the woods and go back. Um, something I've just, it was more of a psychic impression. Um, at one point I was seeing hands that were bound by a leather, like an old saddle strap. They were tied together, um, really tight in this house. I was, you know, the old diamond style glass, um, like depression era glass. There was like a really nice scotch set of those that a gentleman would sit by the window and look out at the woods at while he drank his drink, <laughs> drank his drink. Um, but there was just this, in this place, there was, I kept getting the impression of this very tall man um, who I think was probably 
nice but socially inept, uh, socially awkward, and kind of felt that presence throughout this entire location. But the thing that was just so spooky was every, you know, not every single, but it felt like every room you went into, every space you went into, that the EMF was off off the charts. But it wasn't really necessarily reading on the meters that way. It just felt like you couldn't really get into the room because there was just strong energy. Excuse me, the strong energy. And then it would kind of eventually back away from you. Excuse me. The ghost there gave me hiccups, apparently. Um, so it's just an un, an uneasy place. Um, and there was a report from that house years and years ago of somebody seeing out the back window a Civil War-era soldier uh, walking behind the house towards the woods, um, which I think there's something special about these woods. Um, up here on the edge of town. Not quite sure what it is yet, but um, it's definitely, in, in, you know, if you, there's an energy there. But anyways, this person had witnessed what they said was a Civil War era soldier, and they said that based on the uniform this person was wearing, his union, and that this person was walking across the street behind the house towards the tree line, and that this soldier was holding one of his arms as if it had been blown off and he was carrying his arm, basically. Um, now, I've heard of other people claiming to see young Native American man running through the same area and then running up through one of the, the empty um, fields here along the tree line. Um, but this one was a civil war soldier which i thought was interesting the town was here and operating um prior to the civil war starting um and the owners and the managers of the company and the sawmill that was here a very pro-union so um and at one point in the history here they did have um some u.s navy um soldiers here in port gamble and that was around 1856. Um, and there was a battle that happened across the bay from the town side of Port Gamble. And so it's very possible they look Civil War era because the uniforms were similar. Um, but uh, I just thought it was interesting that he said the claim said that he was carrying his arm. So poor guy got his arm blown off. Um, but that, that came from that same house, somebody looking out the window there. Um, some other things, uh, experienced in there is, um, there would, there would be electromagnetic fields, um, and then, you know, in a certain space. And then a few minutes later, it would not be there anymore. It would be farther down, like a few feet away didn't seem to necessarily be in a linear pattern as far as how it was moving. It was seemed a little random. Um, but uh, I noticed that it, it did go from north to south uh, as far as direction goes. Um, so that was, that was really strange. And it, it was strange that it felt like the EMF in this place was going off the charts, but the meters um, weren't picking any of it up. 
maybe it's the wrong kind of electromagnetic field, <laughs> quote unquote, the wrong kind um, that we had the tools for. So, but there's just this uneasy feeling throughout the, the whole place. Um, and I managed to get one piece of audio that I thought was um, paranormal. And what you hear on this file, and I'll have to play it sometime, is you hear me say, I, I feel like the name is William that's here. And then you hear um, the other, another investigator say, it's Billy. And I had to go back and listen to it a bunch of times because, and we did not hear this when it happened, so it's an EVP, is you hear me say, I think the name is William that's here, Bill. And then you hear the other investigator say, Billy, it's, it's Billy. But we didn't hear someone say, Bill. <laughs> So, um, and that was the only piece of audio that came out uh, of, you know, kind of a quick investigation there. So maybe there's more to be had. I'm sure there is, but um, that place kind of creeps me out, man. I, I can go into a lot of places um, and feel all right um, because I always go in thinking ghost for people wants to, ghost for people wants to, <laughs> right? Anybody else out there do that? Ghost for people wants to, I mean, it makes it a little easier to handle, but that place just, this creeps me out. It feels like that there was a guy there that, that had some mental struggles. And so you almost feel his, in my opinion, you almost feel his social awkwardness in, in this place. So I hope to get back in there sometime. And if I can, um, I'm going to do some more investigating and I hope I can, um, report some new evidence someday so i'm trying to hopefully can get back in there sometime this year so i'm hoping to bring that to the show sometime uh look forward to that um there's also another place um that i've been creeped out in before um i haven't i don't think i've talked about it too much on on here but um uh it's a place where people gather um and there's a large bell, and it's the church. Um, and there's some of the experiences I've had in there are, are pretty cool. Um, none that I've captured on um, <laughs> Linda Meyer's comments that I want to come along to that place. We might be able to make that happen. <laughs> um, but in, in the church, I, it's it's usually not when there's an investigation going on. It's just normal work. And so one of the things that, that it's happened to me a few times in there that I just can't explain, but it's really cool is when you're in the basement, um, you know, doing, you know, placing a light or whatever you're doing down there. And it's, it's always right above me where it sounds like somebody, um, you know, like a wooden ball. That's probably like the size of a baseball. Um, think of the, think of the weight, you know, a wood ball about the size of a baseball would have, right? Think about how that would feel in your hand and how heavy that is. It sounds like somebody drops a wood ball on the floor, like right above my head, and you can hear it bounce, you know, you know, just a couple times, and then you can hear it roll. 
and you can hear it roll all the way across the floor. And based on, it's, it's usually the same area where I have this experience in, in the basement. And so you can figure out when you go upstairs into uh, the sanctuary area, you can figure out where um, that noise is based on your location in the basement, right? And it's always kind of like right in the middle of a section of pews. And the pews that are here in the, in the church, I'll say, was built in 1879. And it's a really cool church. Um, and the pews are original to, to the church. The, the pews and the floors are all original. Um, and the pews had dividers in them. So like halfway down, there would be like a um, Wayne's cutting little kind of separator uh, in the pews there. But anyways, I'd hear this, this ball drop and uh, then roll across the floor. And I'd be like, okay, somebody up there? Well, no, I'm the only one there. And so then I would go up to check it out. I could never, ever find anything that could have fallen. There's never been anything on the ground, like something fell over. Uh, I've never found a ball, let alone a wooden ball, uh, up there or just anything that could have rolled across the floor and, and made some sound. But that's happened to me a few times. Um, and it's, I just, it's always, and I never have like a, a recorder going or something because I'm like working or something. So um, that's just a really cool one. There's other times, other people have had experiences in that basement. Um, and I can't recall all the specifics, but I'm sure some people may be able to comment um, about this, or we'll talk about it again on the show. Um, other people have had, ex you know, kind of creepy stuff with the boiler room downstairs. Um, but during our ghost conference, our Port Gamble ghost conference here one year, that is one of the locations that we open up to investigate is, is the old church. And, me and a couple of other investigators one night during one of these investigations heard what sounded like a child's conversation going on. And I did not have audio going because I was bouncing around between locations and knew I wasn't going to have the time <laughs> to go through all the audio. But darn it, you know, that's when stuff happens, right? So uh, it sounded like children having a conversation in this church and like a, a couple of distinct type children voices. And although it was hard to tell what was being said, there's definitely, you know, the sound of like kids and, you know, I would go and then look outside and walk around outside. There's nobody around. It, it's quiet. The town goes to sleep pretty early here. <laughs> it wakes up late and goes to bed early. Um, so it, it was pretty quiet and, I uh, just couldn't figure that out. But, and the other people that were there couldn't either because it was just, um, it, somebody is like, these kids were talking, but there was nobody, there was no kids with us. Um, it was such a cool experience for that, but I've got a lot more on stuff here in Port Gamble. We'll share on future shows. Um, I hope everyone out there listening tonight got something useful from tips on evidence data analysis uh, and review um, 
I hope it gave some insight to somebody out there. And um, be sure to check out my Facebook page, my show Facebook page. Just look up Paranormal Pete Show. And you can find that on the Let's Talk Radio Facebook page. And you can find me at WLTKDB.com, Let's Talk Radio. And gosh, I can't believe the time flew by tonight. And uh, thanks for the comments, Linda. Thanks to everybody for commenting tonight. And uh, I should be announcing a guest later this week for next week's show. Um, I got a promotion at my job, which has been eating a lot of my time. So <laughs> I'll be announcing a guest soon. Um, thanks, everybody, for the comments. Really appreciate the support. But uh, be on next Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time. And I had a lot of fun talking with you all tonight. And uh, like I said, I hope you got something useful. I leave with my usual toast. The past is history. The future is a mystery. And today's a gift because it's the present. Don't forget to live in the now and take a moment each day to do that. And keep yourself centered. Hug the ones you're with. Virtually hug everybody else for now. We'll see you next week on Let's Talk Radio for the Paranormal Pete Show. I'm your host, Peter Obaya. See ya.